Blog Talk Radio.
to grace the football field. And uh, we'll be coming back real soon with that. Y'all stay right there. This is Roddy Perry. You're tuned in to Roddy Perry Live. Hey, y'all. Stay right there. We come back. More Roddy Perry Live. You know what time it is. Your boy Rodney Perry is coming to a city near you. That's right, a city near you. Go to my website, www.rodneyperry.com. www.rodneyperry.com. That's right, the Black Tour is coming your way. And it's dark skin, dog. Yes, that sounds like time. I'm sorry, time. Force down, coach. What do we do? I'll tell you what we do. I want you to go on the field. Look for anyone with an O. Let's kill them. With kindness. Jimmy, I want you to make balloon animals. Tyler, make little tea cozy. Something fun. Are you okay? <laughs> we will win this for Mother Russia. Coach, eat a Snickers. Why is that you? You get a little loopy when you're hungry. Better? Better. Let's go work! Go get them, guys. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. The name of the show is Rodney Perry Live, and you can give us a call and let us know what you think. Direct feedback, direct con- This is my number. Give me a call, 404-941-6456. 404-941-6456. Shoot me a text. Say what you want to say. Let Rodney Perry know. You never know. I might take your comment and put it on the air. That's the type of brother you're dealing with. Give us a call, 404-941-6456. Rodney Perry Hotline. <laughs> What's up, y'all? This is Rodney Perry. You're tuning in to Rodney Perry Live. Like I said, today's show is going to be so epic. Um, my first guest for the day, uh, first of all, let's talk about what time of the year this is, okay? Now, if you're if you are a, 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 a football fan or, 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 or a basketball fan, you really don't have nothing to do right now. You understand? Yeah, there's a lot of the talk. You can talk about what's going to happen next season. But that's all talk. Ain't no games going on. So what do you do if you don't have you don't have no games going on? You got to go and talk to legends. You understand me? And that's, that's what we're doing today. Man, it's such an honor to have this man on the show. I'm such a fan of his whole body of work, his whole career. Not only what he does what he did on the field, but what he does off the field as well. He's a businessman. He's an entrepreneur. He's a legendary football player. He's a Hall of Famer, and he's here with Rodney Perry today, my man, Mr. Warren Moon. How you doing, sir? I am doing great, Rodney. How you doing? Thanks for having me on today. Oh, man, man, I, can't, I cannot thank you enough. Um, uh, I'm such a fan uh, on, on so many levels. As, as, a, as a black man in America, you know, I'm a fan, you know, because I can only imagine what it was like for you to to go into the Canadian Football League to to make that choice, that 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 business decision or what what that was at that time, NFL being what it was, and then 5 years later to get that opportunity and still come out and shine the way you did. Speak to me about the decision to go into the Canadian Football League? Well, you know, uh, in my college career at the University of Washington, I was uh, pretty strong. You know, we, we won the uh, Pac-8 championship at that time, you know, went to the Rose Bowl. Uh, I was the Pac-8 player of the year that particular year. 
Uh, I was MVP in the Rose Bowl. So I felt like that I had kind of earned an opportunity to, to play quarterback in the National Football League. I wasn't looking to be promised or anything like that. I just wanted an opportunity to show what I could do. But most of the research and I got back from most teams was saying they wanted me to change positions and move to, move to a receiver or move to a defensive back or something like that. And that's just something I wasn't willing to do. I felt like based on the competition that I saw coming out in the draft, the competition that I saw that was offered league, that I deserved an opportunity to at least show what I could do. And if I wasn't good enough, move me somewhere else. You know, then if, if, if that's the decision that I would have to make, if, if I couldn't, then sh- move me somewhere else, or I'll, I'll decide if I want to move somewhere else or just give up. But that uh, that luxury wasn't given to me, so or that option wasn't given. So the option that I did have, the other one, was to go to the Canadian Football League where they were going to let me play quarterback. They were going to give me a chance to, to play and succeed, and, and that's what I chose to do. So, uh, of course, I would have loved to have been drafted in the NFL and played quarterback like most other guys in the draft, but it, it just wasn't in the cards for me at that time. And I realized that. I went the opportunity that I had, and I made the most of it, and I got myself into a better situation in Canada. So it, it turned out to be a great uh, experience for me up there. A lot of football games. I had a great experience with the guys that I played with. And then I got to come back and realize my dream as well to play in the NFL. It wasn't always easy being there because I always felt like I was shafted a little bit and I was a little bitter at times. But I, I think uh, winning takes care of a lot of that. As far as long as you're winning sports, uh, it erases a lot of the other things that you might be thinking about. Uh, man, such an awesome story. And was that the conventional wisdom of that time that, that that you know, I mean, I've, I've read different things and seen different documentaries on it, but that, that, that black men didn't have the aptitude to play the position. It, was, that, was that really the underlying thing there? Well, there's no question about it. I think there was a stereotype a stigma about us playing the quarterback position in the NFL at that time. And, and a, lot, a lot of organizations just didn't look at African-Americans as being the leader of the football team, as being the face of their football team, of being the guy that was going to represent the community, the guy that was going to go with the owner to the uh, to the country club and he can introduce all his rich friends, uh, the guy that can make decisions on the field in the heat of the moment. All different things were, were – uh, not something that they thought we could do. That's why we were asked to go to other positions, especially if we had any type of athletic ability. So sometimes your athleticism as an African-American quarterback penalized you because they wanted to put you somewhere else in a skill position and, and where you didn't have to think, where you didn't have to use your head, you could pick and play. And, and I thought it was a big insult because, like I said, I, I felt that I had played a high enough level in college football to to at least get an opportunity to play at the next and that wasn't given to me, and and I know some of the other reasons why, and some of them weren't all because of a, you know, a lot of them had to do with, with uh, thinking, you know, just uh, just negative things. Wow, man, you overcame that. What, what was it? What was in 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 the Warren Moon background that made you fight that? Like like was it was it your mom was it your dad because there's a lot of players that just said okay you know I, I want to play for the NFL I'll just change positions what was it about you that said man I cannot lay down for this well first of all I'm, I'm a pretty good evaluator 
of my talent and what I'm capable of doing, and, and I, I try not to put myself in situations or talk about things that I don't know about, things like that. If, if there's something I know about and I feel strongly about it, I'll talk about it or, or revert, refer to somebody else who does. And it's the same way with my athletic ability. I felt like my athletic ability was good enough to do this based on that. And so a lot of it had to do with me evaluating myself. A lot of it had to do with evaluations of other people on how they felt I was, how good a player I was. And then a lot of it had to just do with my my confidence in myself, my, uh, my stubbornness. And I think uh, a lot of that comes from my mom. Uh, she raised, you know, seven of us, six sisters and myself, uh, growing up, my dad died at seven years old, so I was kind of thrust into a, uh, a mature house type of situation at a very young age. So I think I matured a lot faster than, than kids my age did because of the circumstances. And I could have went one way or the other, put me on the straight and narrow by you know keeping me involved in very positive situations with sports or whether it was in you know Bible school and Bible study and uh, the Boy Scouts and all of that, so I think all those things helped keep me away from all the negative influence in South uh, Central L.A. where I lived, and and uh, I was just determined to make it because I knew that my mother struggled to take care of us, and I wanted to do something to take care of her, and I knew that was my best opportunity to do it, was becoming a, a professional ball player someday. So uh, that was part of my motivation, and... Uh, but I said I was I was going to make it happen regardless of what I had to go through to make it happen. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Rodney Perry. You're tuned in to Rodney Perry Live. We're talking to football great Mr. Warren Moon. Uh, it, it's it's such a pleasure to chat with you today, uh, Mr. Moon. Man, I, I I feel like I got to call you Mr. Moon. I I don't feel like I deserve <laughs> to say Warren because you I mean you 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 so the the way you carried yourself on the field is was despite what we know you was, must have been going through, was was so dope to me because I remember being living in that time and being a kid and going, you know, especially when you came into the NFL, it was like, yo, I need a Warren Moon jersey now. You know, I, my, you know, you throw the ball and look down like Warren Moon. You know, so <laughs> I remember being that, that guy. And did you ever have a sense of the history you were making? You know, I tried not to think about it. It was very hard not to just because I knew the history of our position. I knew the history of other African-Americans like uh, Joe Gilliam and, and Marlon Briscoe, first African-American ever start in a National Football League game, or James Harris, guys that I up to uh, when he played for the Rams when I was growing up in L.A. I knew what they went through, and I heard some of their stories, and I actually got to hear some of those stories from them uh later on in my career and so I knew the responsibility that I had I think uh, Doug Williams who played along the same time as me and Randall Cunningham as what we understood what was on our shoulders that not only were we going out there to try and for ourselves and our team to try and help our organizations win but we also knew that there was a big fraction of people out there that wanted us to fail because you know because of the bigotry the types that I talked about earlier but then there was also our own people, our African-American people wanted us to succeed because they wanted to, something to be proud of. And so we knew we had a burden on our shoulders every time we went out there to play. And it, it made it tough sometimes, but the good thing, once you got outside, got inside those lines, 
uh, all that kind of went away, and you just there and played. But uh, you all, always knew going into the game there was a big responsibility on shoulders. Uh, you mentioned Doug Williams, Randall Cunningham, yourself. You guys were were really at the forefront of that time, and to to kind of be the, the the face of the black quarterback um, was a a pretty lofty face face to have. I remember I remember when when Doug Williams Doug Williams won the Super Bowl, and it was like. It was just like an afterthought. I mean, it, I felt like he didn't get his just due at that moment. You know, he didn't get to say, I'm going to Disney World. You know, they kind of right. cut away from him. And, and I, was, I remember exactly. thinking to myself, what, what's going on? And, and I was yeah. like, maybe I'm the only one that noticed that. But, and, and even Randall Cunningham, who was, you know, just so athletic of a guy, and, and it, it was all, he was almost you know, demonized for being that. What's it like for you to fast forward now? You know, you know, a couple of decades away from that, and see these quarterbacks and the league kind of becoming different in reference to them, or is it different? Well, that, that's what I'm so proud of, and that's what I think Doug and also Randall are really proud of. Is that we know that us playing at a very high level, Doug winning a Super Bowl, uh, Randall. You know, playing the way he did, being an MVP one year, the same with me, and you know, multiple Pro Bowls and that. That that uh, our, our success really helped that next generation of guys, the the Randall, the uh, Donovan McNabs, and the uh, Dante Culpepper's, and the Michael Vicks, and all those. Gave them that opportunity to uh, to get a chance to play and play, be hot draft picks, to be guys that now organizations looked at in a different light and said, hey, these guys can be the, the, the leaders of our franchise because we've seen other guys do it, and these guys can uh, be first-round or, or overall number one picks in the draft, and we can make them the face of the NFL. And So we felt good that we had a big part in that happening because if they failed in, in what we were doing on the field, those guys wouldn't have got that opportunity. So we feel really, really good about the part that we played in the the, uh, the game next generation of guys an opportunity to play at a high level. Do the do the Cam Newtons and RG threes, do they get it? Do they do they know? Because I mean, if you're a nineteen year old guy, maybe you don't do you know that Warren Moon was a beast? Do you know that because cause you're not forty, I'm forty two, so I watched you play. So do those guys know that history? Do you think? I yeah, a lot of them do. Uh, you know, Cam Newton, I've gotten to know pretty well because I helped train him coming out of college, and and uh, RG three and all these guys. I think one thing that really helps them is they had dads in their in their lives, and mm. when they had dads in their lives, their dads could tell them the history of that position. So Cam Newton, who came to one of my camps, I was when he was in high school, his dad brought him to my camp because. He knew of my history, or he knew of Doug's history, who also was at that camp, and, and James Harris. Same thing with RG3. You know, he had a dad in his life. Um, he was in, in the military, and his dad would tell him about the history of that position. So as I got to know these guys, the same thing with Donald, who, whose dad is very involved in his career or was very involved in his career, I told about about the history of the league. So that, that really helps. Guys that, that probably didn't. Others in their their lives probably don't have somebody that's going to sit there and, and tell them about the history. So, uh, I found the guys that had mo- moms and dads in their lives were more well on the history of the league. Uh, 
you, you know that that's a really interesting concept because you know I've I've had that conversation. You know, we sit around the cigar bar or the barbershop, and I, I, I'm I'm a firm believer. You know, those of us that are products of of single parent households, sometimes it's not that it's not that you you are any less of a man or a woman, but you're kind of off balance. You know, in terms right. of you know, some, men do things a certain way, women do things a, a certain way, and it's not taking away from that single parent, whether it be male or female, but you kind of are missing the whole picture till you get that person to give you that picture. And I, I've, I've always traced it back to dads, man. When when you start looking at athletes that make silly decisions or <laughs> that, that that do wild stuff in public, and you're like, I bet he ain't got no daddy. You know, we, we always say that at the cigar bar while I go. I bet he you gotta have that strong arm in your life. Your mom's gonna do the best job you possibly can, but there's something about dad and that intimidation that you uh, you, you just don't get out of line as much if you have both of them in your life. It's hard for a single parent uh, to control, and a lot of single parents have been able to do that. But uh, we've seen a lot of single homes where where some of the kids have gone astray as well. Yeah. Hey, you, you, you talked about winning at the top of the conversation. Winning is kind of a cure-all. Uh, I, I say it in my act as I perform around the country. You know, I think if you win, you kind of find that in itself alleviates a lot of the BS. Uh, you are a winner, um, not only on the football field, but also in business. Speak to making the transition out of football in the business with, with your with your company, Sports One Marketing, and some of the uh, philanthropic endeavors you have. Well, a lot of mine started during, and that's that's one of the things the young kids or, or young players really need to understand that football is just a small part of your life, you know. And, but you can make a big impact on your life. Take advantage of that, of that, you know, five, ten, fifteen year window, whatever it is you might be playing, and you know the average career is three and a half years so if you're able to have a, a career 10 12 years you should be very blessed but what do you do during that time uh, you take advantage of those relationships that you make during that time do you save your money and, and take that during that time do you uh, figure out what you want to do with the next phase of your life playing so you have a chance to to uh, really sample some other things you might want to do while you're playing because you don't have to worry about making money in something else already have a job in football so you can do some internships you can you can, uh, dabble in whatever it is you might want to dabble in as you get ready for retirement while you're still playing and, and that's what I did and I had good uh, advisors that, that helped me do that my attorney Lee Steinberg at the time was was huge on uh, career building and football is a stepping stone for the rest of your life because when you when you retire you know if you retire 30 years 35 years old, you still have another 30, 30 years left of, of working life. So what are you going to do life, that, yeah. that time? You know, and you're you're a competitive uh, personality anyway. That's what drove you to sports. So you're not going to want to sit around and play golf every day, even if you have the money. You still there's things you're going to want to do. So what is it you want to do with the rest of your life? And I got that out early. So I started uh, getting involved in in, in uh, Casting in that, when I was playing, I had a radio show, I had television shows while I was playing, a major in college, um, so I got into broadcasting after my career was over, and then I eventually got into the sports marketing business because I worked in my uh, attorney's uh, law firm um, 
in new business development. So I learned a lot about the marketing and started my own marketing company. So a lot of the relationships that I created while I was playing was help my business because I have all this relationship capital built up over all these years of, and it's been able to uh, been transformed into a lot of business opportunities, which has been great. And then the, the philanthropic part of it again came during my my playing days. I started a foundation called the Crescent Moon Foundation, and what we, our big focus was was to give scholarships to college to underprivileged high school kids, and we've been able to do that now since 1980 on a consistent basis, and. And that's something I'm very proud of, that I can play a part in these kids' uh, educational careers as they move forward. And hopefully if, if to uh, graduate from college and get jobs and become successful, they'll do the same thing in their community and, and try and help someone else out as well. So it's been, a, it's been a very rewarding experience doing that part of it, as well as the business, as well as the commentating. It keeps me close to football, and it keeps me around the game that I love so much. And you do you don't just do football you do basketball you know I believe I bet I bet Warren Moon can commentate a soccer game. <laughs> I'm a sports fan. I'll put it that way, and and I have great respect for athletes um, because I know how much work they put into it. I know uh, how much sacrifice it is. Uh, I also know how how tough it is to go out on that big stage and perform in front of so many people. Expectations so. Uh, it makes me a fan of the game because I, I've been there and I know what it takes. As a broadcaster, what was the toughest part for you when you started in that world? I think um, making sure when you criticize somebody, you're doing it in the right way. There's a way to criticize people. Uh, I do it more explaining why something might have happened as opposed to Oh, he dropped. Oh, he's he can't play, you know, or he's not any good, or or you know that harsh criticism that you sometimes hear from from analysts. Uh, I try and explain to the viewer or explain to the listener why that particular thing might have happened, why the quarterback might have chose to throw to that person, or why the quarterback might have thrown an interception on that play, or why that guy might have dropped that ball, and explain the game as opposed to criticizing the game. Uh, there's a right. way to, like I said, to to criticize, but this constructional criticism, and that was the toughest part for me because I've been there before. It's not like I've never made a mistake in the game before, so I can't go in there and and and, and as a guy knowing that I've made some of those same mistakes, and I try and explain why those might happen. Think about the game now. Um, the rules are, are kind of changing, uh, especially from from when you play. Uh, I'm I'm sure the quarterback is protected a lot more. Um, the um, do you do are you are you cool with that or do you want that more physical game that you played to be the game that we see now? Man, I, I wish those things happened when I was playing. I'd still be playing if I was protected the way these guys are. Wait a minute, Warren, you'll still you be know, out there now. They pretty much have flags on right now, which is uh, you know it. It's important though because the quarterback is such a big part of the game today, and you want the starters to be each and every week because that's who the fans. You know, go in those stadiums to watch. They, they go to watch the players, and when the starter is out of there, there's a big drop off between your starter and your backup. So, you want to keep those guys upright, and and you want to keep them healthy as possible. And so, I understand reasons why they're doing it, but the quarterbacks also have to be smarter too when when they're running the football, not taking as many chances. Because those defensive guys, when they get a chance at a quarterback, they know if they yeah. put that guy in, the game, and they don't want to hurt him like you know. 
really seriously, but just enough to rattle him a little bit, they can get – that's a big advantage for them to either get him out of the game or intimidate him a little bit by knocking him around. Uh, that's what the defenses are trying to do. So if that's what you know they're trying to do, you want to try and protect those guys as much as you can. You get in a lot of vulnerable positions when we're throwing that ball. When, when that ball is being released – have no protection if somebody wants to hit us while we're throwing the football. So you got to make sure you guys aren't taking just unnecessary shots at these guys when they're in such a vulnerable position. Now I, I always hear people speak to the speed of the game. That you know, when you know from high school to college, there's a speed change. From college to to the NFL, there's a speed change. Was, was there a speed change? You're probably one of the only people in the world that can answer this. Was there a speed change from the Canadian Football League to the NFL for you? Yeah, there there was. The Canadian game, believe it or not, is a really fast game. It's a fast-paced game. Uh, the players are a little bit different up there because of the way the game is played, a wider field, and you got to have players that can cover all that ground. The NFL is fast, but it's a little bit – and that's where I saw the difference more than the speed of, of the players. I saw the point of attack being – being a little bit more physical uh, right up in the in the line of scrimmage because it's a, it's a different game. It's a more especially when I came into the league, it was more of a running dominated game. So uh, the running game was huge, and whoever could control the line of scrimmage usually had uh, the upper hand on the other football team. Um, but I tell you, when, when I retired from football, and, and I, I I did some sideline reporting first year out just because I got bored of sitting around because I, I thought I was going to take a year or so off nothing because I had played for 23 years and so I got bored and I started doing that for for about the second half of the first season I was out of football and watching the game from the side having been away from it not even for a year I couldn't I couldn't even believe how fast the game was wow uh, how violent how violent it was how how, uh, how those collisions were and I'm standing there on the sideline not even a year out of the day going what was I thinking of playing this game for this long? <laughs> what, you know, what was I, I doing running around with Lawrence Taylor on the field? Exactly. And and uh, if, if anybody ever wants to, to uh, think they can play this game or thinks it's not a game, come down on the sideline and watch it from the sideline. It is a whole different aspect. I'm going to tell you what, that game is really fast and it's really physical, and, and uh, I have the respect for the guys who play it. Even though I played it as long as I did, and right up in that particular time, the game hadn't changed that much in, in eight months. So uh, I just know that it, it was a very violent game just getting away from it for a little bit. Okay, Warren, I'm not going to hold you all day, but this this is my pet peeve about us fans, okay? I think we're way too quick to criticize professional athletes. You know, you're in the barbershop or the cigar bar or the bar, the, you know, sitting around having some beers. Oh, that guy is terrible. But I'm like, dude, the worst guy in the uniform is better than you, okay? <laughs> right. Exactly. So and, and do, do you have a, that. a pet peeve like that? Only like, one half. I'm sorry, go. When I when I when I go to, to the barbershop, especially a black barbershop, I just sit there and I don't say a word. I just listen to all the banner going back and forth because you get some great banter in, in, in barbershops because everybody seems to know everything. But right. uh, I just know sitting there that I understand it fully what goes on out on that to what what goes into being a professional athlete, and I also know that only one half. One percent of all the college players who play the game actually make it in the National Football 
possible. For somebody to sit there and criticize who's never played the game, first of all, and then if they have, they've never played it up to that level, uh, it really makes me laugh. It just makes me chuckle inside just listening to some of the conversations. But, you know, that's what makes this country great, that everybody has been and everybody's able to express it. Hey, hey, well said. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking to a winner on so many levels, Hall of Famer, uh, Canadian Hall of Fame, NFL Hall of Fame. Uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on. What, what words of encouragement would you give to the young kid out there that, that you know, whether they want to be in football or not, in reference to winning? Can, can you give me, a, like, a, like, a little tidbit? What, what are the words Warren Moon lives by? Well, basically, I try and tell people just just to uh, set your goals really high, uh, dream big. That's what I did, and and I didn't come from any more uh, better backgrounds than any of some of these kids that that are living in the inner cities right now. Like I said, I came from a single family home. I came from uh, you know South Los Angeles, California. Uh, the odds were against me making it, but I made it. I really believed in myself. I uh, knew that there was opportunity out there. It's just a matter of where that opportunity came. But once it did come, the thing you have to know, you have to be prepared and be ready. So work is is where I got my, uh, I think, my upper hand on most of the guys that I played and competed with because those guys uh, had maybe some some of them more ability than me in my neighborhood where I grew up. Not the same work ethic or desire or passion that I had. And that's why they're still back in my neighborhood where I was able to get out of there and move forward and, and make something of myself. So I think setting your goals or your dreams very high, working hard, outworking your comp. Did we lose them? God dang it. Hey, y'all, this is Roddy Perry. You tuned in to Roddy Perry Live. This is a live show. Things happen. But I, I got to thank Mr. Warmo. I think we lost him on the line. But the website, his website, sportsmarketingone.com, and uh, he's on Twitter as well. So hit him up on Twitter and tell him you heard him on the show. It's WMoon1. He's at WMoon1 on Twitter. And on Facebook, he, he's at HWarrenMoon1. Please, man, continue to support this man, one of our greats, a Hall of Famer, Mr. Warren Moon. It was incredible. You cannot believe it. Hey, y'all, this is Roddy Perry. You're tuning in Roddy Perry Live. When we come back, another NFL Hall of Famer. You do not want to miss this. We are doing it. You know what time it is. Your boy Rodney Perry is coming to a city near you. That's right, a city near you. Go to our website, www.rodneyperry.com. www.rodneyperry.com. That's right, the Black Tour is coming your way. And it's dark skin, dog. Yeah, that sounds like coming. Sorry, sorry. What's up, everybody around the world? Thanks for tuning in to Rodney Perry Live. Remember to follow Rodney on Twitter, at Rodney Perry. And for all of your Rodney Perry updates, text Rodney Perry, with no spaces, to 41411. Again, to stay up to date, text Rodney Perry, with no spaces, to 41411. Want to know why I didn't last five hours? I just proved the theory of relativity. I mastered origami while beating the record for hacky sack. Found Bigfoot. Ran the English Channel. 
And then I swam back. And then I took the dog for a walk. How do I do all this? Five hour energy. Hours of energy now with no crash later. Underlay! Hey, this is Roddy Perry. Tune in to Roddy Perry Live. We got a lot of great things coming up in the near future. Go to my website, RodneyPerry.com, and check out all the great stuff we got coming up. Stay right there. What up, y'all? It's your boy, Rodney Perry, and I got a shout-out to Connecticut School of Broadcasting. That's the nation's largest group of broadcasting schools. Go to their website, www.gocsb.com, or you can call them, 678-205-2210. Connecticut School of Broadcasting. They got my back, player! Guess what time it is? It's time for Off the Chain to come back. That's right. Off the Chain is coming back. New comics, brand new show, brand new stage. Rodney Perry's in full effect. I got new clothes, baby. They done hooked me up. The show is going down. January 14th on Bounce TV. You don't want to miss it. Hey, y'all. Hey, I don't mean to interrupt your show. Well, well, actually, I do. I'm actually trying to interrupt your show because I got to thank some people. First of all, thank you to the Denver Improv. Had a great time out there. It was there for New Year's Eve. We turned completely up. And speaking of turn up, the Turn Up Comedy Show, January 1st, 2014, the first show out the gate for the year. I'm doing a show in Atlanta. You're always saying, right, when you're going to get down in Atlanta. I'm getting down in Atlanta January 1st, New Year's Day. It's going to be off the chain. And speaking of off the chain, off the chain is coming back. January 14th, Bounce TV, Off the Chain Return, return. Season 2, Rodney Perry, your host. The show is bigger, better, stronger, and it's, it's just, it's, it's off the chain. <laughs> All right, now, Fayetteville, North Carolina, I'm coming to see y'all January 25th. That's right, the Big Apple, I'm coming to see you. And then again, Acoustics Jazz, first Wednesday, the first Wednesday show in 2014 is going down February 5th. Get your tickets now. I got a great show lined up for you. This is Rodney Perry, and this interruption is now over. Oh, yeah. I did what? You ate the bones. I ate the bones? I ate the bones? I ate the bones? KFC Original Recipe, now available without the bone. Freshly prepared white or dark meat chicken, boneless and skinless. Get four delicious mouth-watering pieces in your next 10-piece mixed bucket for $14.99. Today tastes so good. <laughs> I got one of my boys from the Bahamas. He actually eat the bones. Hey, y'all, this is Roddy Perry. You two to the Roddy Perry Live. We lost one for a second. Warren, you back? I am back. I don't know what happened, but uh, I, may, I thought you got bored of what I was saying. Just hung up on. No, man, come on, dog. This is a, <laughs> dude. Let me tell you something, Warren Moon. Let me, I got to say your whole name too. Let me tell you something, Warren Moon. I'm. This is one of the. This is. I'm probably. This is like. I'm like a kid talking to you. This is like. I'm. This is crazy. So anyway, um, you and Ronnie Lott have a venture. Uh, let's talk about how y'all connected. Well, Ronnie Lott and I have been good friends for a long time we played together when he was usc i mean against each other when i was at washington and he was at usc and i just want you to say we beat him too i just want you to know that part of, uh, <laughs> did you get him did you get him one? we got him and uh you know i actually tried to recruit ronnie to the university of washington but he chose usc and it was a good choice for him and uh we became uh uh very very good friends when we got into pro football and and he was a 49er, of course, and uh, I played against him when I was with the Houston Oilers, and 
he beat me some and I beat him some. But we, we've been very good friends and, and supportive of our off-the-field endeavors, whether it was his foundation or, or my foundation. And, and Ronnie got involved in the Jenko uh, Foundation uh, a few years ago and, and asked me last year, about a, a little over a year ago, about getting involved in, in what they were doing with the foundation over in, uh, it's based here in the United States, but the work that they're doing over in Nigeria, first of all, taking missions over, medical missions to take care of the, the sick over there, uh, and, and eventually building a hospital in Nigeria to take care of some of the people that are really you know, struggling over there uh, health-wise and that. And so I got involved with the foundation, and I'm very proud to be a part of it, and we're having a fundraiser this uh, Tuesday night, uh, uh, the second annual uh, fundraiser here during ESPY week, and we're going to try and raise as much money as we possibly can that evening uh, just to just to further uh, do the work that they're doing over in Nigeria, for taking care of the sick and the needy over there and, and, yeah. and eventually building that hospital. Man, you know, you you hear a lot of stories about people giving back, but you guys are really doing it. Um, it, it it's such a pleasure to, to to hear these type of stories, and you know, where do you get the big heart from, Warren Moon? I think it comes from my mom. You know, she was a lady that, like I said, didn't have a whole lot, but whatever she did have, she took care of us, and but also shared with everybody else in the neighborhood. You know, all the kids in the neighborhood knew they could come to my house if they wanted to get a meal, if they wanted to get a treat or whatever, because my mom had a huge heart. And, and me watching her heart, um, I think, really rubbed off on me as far as giving back, because I'm very blessed in what's happened to me in my life, and uh, God has blessed me very well. And and what can I do? I can't... I can't uh, I can't spend or use everything I have just for me. So I try and share as much as I can with my my family, my extended family, but also people that are that are uh, less fortunate. And I have an ability because of my public status to be able to create change. And, and that's what I'm trying to do with my life now as, as I move forward and, and get ready to leave this earth one day is, is make as big a difference as I possibly can. And some of that difference is right here in the United States helping people that are needy, but there's also people around the world that we know are suffering and struggling as well, and that's where this foundation comes in, and that's why I got behind what they're doing because I really believe in the work that they're trying to do over in Nigeria, and one day I want to get a chance to go over there and see firsthand what's going on. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Warren. I was on television for a couple of years with the Monique show. I got a chance to sit next to her on a daily basis, and I found out being on television that people was asking me for money. You know? <laughs> oh yeah! If they know you what, got it, they're gonna ask. What must that be like for if they see you every Sunday? You know, and and I don't like the fact that as a celebrity, your salary is kind of public knowledge. So now right. as an NFL player, everybody know your contract. What's What's that? What's that like? Or what are some of those things like to be a professional athlete and everybody think they know what you got? Yeah, it was a big eye opener for me because you know when you're growing up, going through high school and college, nobody prepares you on on that part of it. On once you become uh, wealthy, so to speak, uh, what happens after that? You don't. You're not prepared for that. And and I think guys today are more prepared for it now because the NFL does a pretty good job of putting on symposiums for the young players before they come in the league 
to let them understand what they're going to be faced with going forward, whether it's the investments that are out there that probably are kind of shady with all the different people that are going to be coming at you with their hands out. Uh, there wasn't any symposium when I came out back in, you know, 1978. So I had to kind of learn on my own and learn from other guys who just told me stories. Uh, but you, you all of a sudden find more family than you ever had before in your life. You, you also have more, you also have more friends that that you ever thought you had in your life, and 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 they're going to have their hands out, and it's how you handle that. And and me being such a giving person. Um, you know, I got caught up in that a little bit early in my career, wanting to satisfy everybody, wanting to make sure that they knew I wasn't turning my back on them. But you quickly realize that uh, that money goes fast if you don't take care of it, and you're not really helping those people by just giving them handouts. Uh, wow. You, you want to be a guy that wants to be there if people need you in an emergency or something like that, not somebody that's just taking care of people. And, and once you start taking care of people, they start to rely on you and don't do anything for themselves. So that's something that these young players have to learn very early that uh, they have to really watch what they do with their money because it doesn't last forever and you never know how long you're going to play this game. So you want to make the most you can and you want to try and save as much as you can but you also want to know that you're in a position that you can be there to help somebody in your family or some close friend if they if they you know become in a situation where they need you. Man, well said. Hey, y'all, this is Roddy Perry. Tune in to Roddy Perry Live. We're talking to Mr. Warren Moon. Now, you, you've connected with the great Lonnie, Ronnie Lott. Uh, Ronnie went to USC. You said... That y'all y'all jumped on them guys over there. Now now before we, we even get into the rivalry, how did you not go to USC? You're LA dude. I know, and you know I, I rooted for USC all my life. Um, I was believe it or not a huge OJ Simpson fan when he was there when I was a young kid growing up, and and uh, Jimmy Jones was African American quarterback there when I was in junior high school, so I followed him because he was an African American role model that I had, but. When I when I came um, out of high school, I went to junior college for a year. I couldn't get recruited by the major schools to to throw the football. So uh, when I did come out of junior college, Vince Evans was at USC, and uh, I didn't want to go there because I didn't want to redshirt behind Vince because he was going to be a senior. So I decided to go to Washington because they were giving me an opportunity to to compete for the starting job right away. So I chose to go there. I wanted to stay on the West Coast where I had a chance to maybe play in the Rose Bowl one day and my family could still watch me play and I'd be relatively close to home. So it worked out well for me because the University of Washington was great to me. I had a great career there, and uh, it's still a place where I you know, I, I live sometimes. So um, I really enjoy it up in Seattle, and I'm working for the Seahawks now, a team that I played for a couple of years in my in my uh, my pro career, uh, so so it's worked out well for me. But USC is still a team and an organization and a, and a college that I have a lot of respect for because of how good they were for so long. Hey, with that, it's time for me to bring this guy on the line, Warren. I mean, I, the Hall of Fame, the biggest hitter ever to touch the field. I mean, this dude used to just oh, I. I I know he's going to have a, a special word for the play of today. You know, let me ask you this before I bring him on the line. Would Ronnie Lott be able to exist in today's game? They would be the oh. fine Ronnie Lott to death. <laughs> no, Ronnie was a very smart player, so he knew what he could get away with. And and he played within the rules, but he played he played as tough and as physical as you could within the rules. Um uh, 
he wasn't a guy that was getting flagged all the time for his hits. He just when he did when he hit you, you knew you were hit. So he would adjust. <laughs> he would he would adjust his game to whatever the, the rules were today, and and it, I'm sure it would be tough on him because he loved to play the game a certain style, but. But that's the type of uh, competitor and sportsman he is. He would he would adjust his game to the rules. With that, let's bring him on the line, ladies and gentlemen, Hall of Famer and and the man that brought Warren over to Jinko, the Jinko Foundation, and they're doing this great work, Mr. Ronnie Lott. How you doing, Ronnie? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know what's funny is that I'm sitting here listening to a gentleman that. Uh, I had the good fortunes of, uh, of playing against, but also the good fortunes of meeting him early in in my career and watching him beat us. <laughs> and I was sitting there just listening to him talk about his experience at Washington, and he and he was and he was smooth when he was talking about. Well, you know, I decided to go in a different direction because I wanted to kill those boys. <laughs> <laughs> And so it was great just listening to him because, you know, I've known Warren for a long time, and he's been, heck, he he raised me. I mean, he was one of those kind of guys that 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 took me aside, and and as he talked about the finances, and he talked about certain situations, and as he talked about a lot of things, as he was telling you guys, I mean, Warren was one of those guys that would pull you aside and say, okay, here's how you have to be, here's some of the things you got to do, look at me, I'm an example of how you should live, I'm an example of how you should deal with certain situations, and, and for me, you know, my golf tournaments, my foundation, the work that I did was a lot of it because of Warren Moon, so um, great example of not only being a great uh, football player, but just a great human being, but hearing that story about Washington, and hearing him talk about what it was like, uh, everybody knows that when he played at Washington and coming back to L.A. and playing against USC and competing against USC, uh, there was there was some there was some fire, and we went up there to play them uh, his senior year, and I was a freshman, and I'll never forget it, man. We walked out of there with our heads between our between our tails, and uh, that was the day that I went, whoa, this guy, this guy wow. played, but this guy, and then, and, and Warren will tell you, there were a lot of guys that went on to play in the National Football League that they shouldn't have been, they shouldn't have played, they shouldn't have never mm. got on the field, and yet Warren showed that day and showed in the Rose Bowl and showed that, hey man, look, I, I belong, and yet he he had to go he had to go in a different direction, and people forget about that. They forget about what he went through to get to where he's at today, and to get to become a Hall of Famer. And and and, and those struggles, you know, Willie Mays talked about the struggles, and, and when I asked him about his struggles early on, you forget because you all you always see is Willie Mays at the end. But then you hear about the struggles, and I can tell you clearly, um, when he went up to Canada and showing, you know, his game and his skills, but there were struggles, and there were struggles because he knew that he should be in the NFL. He knew that he was just as good or better, and he knew that he could be a Hall of Famer. And so, yeah, uh, a lot of great 
with uh, with Warren. Man, man, what 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 a great thing, Warren. What, it, what does that do to your heart to hear that from one of your one of your friends, man? Well, it's it's great to know you have that type of respect from uh, from your friends because you know a lot of us are friends uh, uh, in different levels, but Ronnie and I have great respect for one of uh, one another as well, as well as having a good time together, as well as being good friends, and we've shared a lot of great experiences together. I was there with him when he won his first I'll Super Bowl at, at the Forty ers and. Uh, We've just had some very, very big moments together, whether it was on the field or off the field in some of our our charity endeavors, business endeavors. So it's great to hear that come out of your mouth, even though I knew uh, that's how he felt about me and he knows how I feel about him, and that's why I'm involved in this project with him. And, and we'll continue to keep doing great things together as, as we move forward in our lives. Hey, hey, Warner, I can't thank you enough again for calling in. Uh, we're going to get Ronnie. Hey, y'all, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk to Ronnie a lot. We're going to talk about Jenko. We're going to talk about his career. It's Rodney Perry. You're tuned in to Rodney Perry Live. Y'all stay right there. If you're looking for the latest in comedy, news, and entertainment, the only place to go is the Humor Mill. Check out the website, humormillmag.com. Humor Mill, the only place for comedy, news, and entertainment. I see you, Frank. Four, ten, two, uno. What up, y'all? It is time for Off the Chain with me, Rodney Perry. I'm your host. My girl, DJ Tracy Steele, is on the ones and twos, and we premiere October 22nd, 9 p.m. on Bounce TV. You don't want to miss it. The best in stand-up comedy. Let me tell y'all something. It's going to be so off the chain. Did I say that? Off the chain. I'm crazy. Bounce TV. That's www.bouncetv.com. Hit up on Twitter, Bounce underscore TV. They're at Bounce underscore TV. This is Rodney Perry, and I'm the host, bitch. <laughs> wow, I'm so insane for that commercial. Hey, y'all, this is Rodney Perry. You're tuning in to Rodney Perry Live. Off the chain, we'll be shooting here in Atlanta um, um, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. Right here in Atlanta, uh, go to the website, RodneyPerry.com. We'll have all the information up there. You can get free tickets the whole nine. We will be uh, uh, hooking y'all up. Uh, I can't thank Mr. Warren Moon enough. Thank you so much for calling. Um, Ronnie Lott, you get together, Marcellus Wiley, yourself, Mr. Warren Moon, and you guys are, are uh, working with this foundation. Warren kind of talked about it. Can you give me some more insight on what, what uh, Jinko is about? Well, when you think about uh, the pursuit of, of serving in life and you think about how we all go about that every day, uh, you realize that there are some people that are doing extraordinary efforts. And uh, uh, Afam, the young man and his family, are doing that. Um, they're trying to build a hospital in Africa. Um, when I heard about the story and spending time with him, understanding uh, the things that he could be doing in his life, the things that um, he could be doing in terms of uh, uh, just taking care of himself, and yet he said, you know what, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in a different direction. I'm going to go in this direction because I know that this is that this is bigger than me, and he started uh, sharing his, his thoughts around that. He started sharing the thoughts around his family and what they've committed to and, and, and the needs in, in his community and the needs that are in the community of, uh, of, of where his, his mom and dad are from. And so all of a sudden you, you, you can see that um, there's a man that has, has 
not only the right purpose, but the right direction in his life. And so um, uh, when he talked about the foundation and sharing his ideas and thoughts about the foundation, I was like, yeah, I got to. I got to get involved and I got to find a way to support him. And, and last year it was a wonderful event and we had a great time. Uh, Jim Brown and others showed up. Uh, uh, it was just a, it was a great, it was a great night. And I think what was fascinating to me is that you could see the movement, the movement of people and the movement in the room. And, and, and what I love is when you have a great cause, it moves people to move in the right direction. And so, um, it's an, it's a, to me, it's, it's an incredible effort by an incredible young man who is trying to do some things that are going to help a lot of unfortunate people be fortunate. So, yeah, it's a great wow. a great cause. Man, you, you know what's, what's the most amazing, talking to a guy like Ronnie Lott, talking to Warren Moon, is y'all seem like nice guys. Now, I, I got to tell you, Ronnie Lott, now, Warren Moon might be nice <laughs> But ain't nowhere in the world the guy I watch on this field, Ryan Lott cannot be a nice guy. The way you hit these people was like you had a problem with their mama. Ronnie, ain't no way Ryan Lott, go on, I want to hear the real Ryan Lott. Ain't nowhere in the world Ronnie Lott is a nice guy. I don't believe it. I am, I look, man, look, I'm an ABM. I am an ABM, and I've been an ABM uh, for the majority of my life. And and, and the what reason why... What's the ABM? You don't know what an ABM? I don't know what an ABM is. Oh, man, I'm an angry black man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait, I thought yeah. you were going to say I'm a bad yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> no, 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 man. I'll just say, look, I'm an ABM, and I've had my moments of of um, always being around that. And, and what I mean yeah. by that is, what I mean by that is, uh, I grew up in a military family, Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was always always talking about structure, um, uh, and so that was always a part of my life. And then I think the other thing is that when I started playing football early on, uh, you know, you had guys like Jim Brown. You had guys like Dick Buckus. You had guys like that that you would emulate. You have guys like Willie Davis. And all of a sudden, you realize that that anger that, uh, that, that resides in, within you 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 have a place to uh, to 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 let it out, and you have a place to to uh, to use it. And and in in football, you know that that arena, you know, as you pointed out, you said, well, maybe if you were playing today, you would you would be fine a lot. I, I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you, if I got a fifty thousand dollar fine, my mother would come out of the stand. And my mother would come out of the stands and say, look, you better move your helmet and you better right. find a way to tackle. Now, I want you to tackle hard, but you you, you, you will not lose $50,000. And so, right. yeah, but there's that anger is inside you. You know what I mean? It, it, it's inside you because if you want to be great, you've got to play with that kind of passion. And I'm, I would imagine that any great Comedian has that kind of anger inside of them. They want to make sure that people walk out of there feeling happy, feeling excited, and so you you have that passion or anger or or, or purpose in your life you know, of wanting to be the best. And and yeah, that that that's that's always been a part of my life. 
Warren, Warren talks about winning. Uh, nobody knows winning better than Ronnie Lott. Um, four Super Bowls. I mean, I mean, we, we can just go. I mean, your, your resume is ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> um, speak to me about what winning is, and then talk to me about how losing builds character. And I and I and I'm, I, I say that because. I look at, like, you know, I look at my kids, they play, you know, soccer and things like that, and they give trophies to everybody. So none of these kids never lose. <laughs> well, so, they do lose. You know they lose because yeah. any kid that knows that they've lost and they get the trophy and they still lose, there's, there, there's that responsibility as a parent to say, wait a minute, you lost, yes, you got something, but understand what that feeling's like. Mm-hmm. Because when you lose, as you know, man, when you lose, there is something that doesn't make you, you know, you 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 don't sit well. It's not comfortable. It's a it's a it's a it's a it's a feeling that's inside you where it's, it's painful. And I, yeah. I I remember, you know, as a little kid, when the girl beat me running that, you know, that that ten yard race in the first grade. I was man, I was like, I was messed up. <laughs> <laughs> I was messed up. I'm like, you mean right. you got me? I was messed up, and the and the reason you get messed up is that you don't like people don't like losing. This country, the only reason we have what we have in this country, because there were some people that said, "I'm not losing." Right. I'm not losing. Harriet Tubman said, "I'm not losing." Wow. I'm not losing. And so when you think about her efforts, and you can think about other people's efforts that have. I mean, Mark, I mean, you go down the list of people that you've seen. Ali, hey, take me, take me. I'm still not losing. Wow. You, you, you're, you know what I mean? I'm still not losing. Well said. Well and said. so all yeah. of a sudden you see people like that, and you, you just realize that that's part of it, man. That's part of how we get, you know, that's part of where it comes from. I'm not going to lose. I'm going to stand for something. And not only am I going to stand for something, but I'm not going to lose because it's the right way to do it. Wow, well said. Hey, y'all, this is Roddy Perry. You're tuning in to Roddy Perry Live. We're talking to Mr. Ronnie Lott, NFL Hall of Famer, four Super Bowls. And, I mean, like I said, the, the resume goes on and on. Now, I mean, as a cornerback, you were, you know, you was a, a ball-hawking, interception-making dude. Was it a was it a big transition when you when you stepped back further away from the line to like, to the safety position? Yeah, yeah, it was because you got to remember when you're playing one on one out there and you playing one on one against Jerry Rice, you might as well say you're lined up against Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? It's like that's who you're going against every day in practice, and so when you're playing one on one and you're going against Michael, you're going to lose. Right, you're wow. just gonna lose. So that position, playing corner, is one of the most difficult positions in the game of football. And that's why when you see a guy like Dion, you 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 can't help but admire him because not only was he the best there, then all of a sudden he could do all the other stuff. But when you can have a guy that can just go out there, or if you can have a guy like Mike Haynes, who I think is the best that ever played, and you have it, all of a sudden you realize, man, that. Now you've got somebody that can take that side of the field and eliminate it. And 
And, and, and so having guys like that, Jimmy Johnson, that used to play with the 49ers, that, that, that guy is amazing. So all of a sudden you see these guys that have played that position, and then you then, – then, and so you got to try to go out there. And I'll be – there were times that when I was out there, you know, <laughs> I used to crack up because early on I was like, yeah, I, I got this. And then I realized that maybe I, maybe I don't have this. And Bill said, you know what, Ronnie – I think that you don't have it anymore. Let's move you and let's move you to the inside. And so he moved me to the inside. And for me, that's where it was. That was my comfort zone, going to the free safety spot. And the reason why it was my comfort zone is that all of a sudden you're seeing the whole field, and now you're now you're trying to play. When I'm playing against Warren Moon, I got to think like Warren Moon. Not only that, not only do I have to think like Warren Moon, but I got to have the anticipation to understand how he's thinking, where he wants to go. I got to understand what our defense coordinator's thinking. I got to understand what the offense coordinator's thinking. And so you find yourself in a game of chess, and you find yourself realizing that now I understand what it was like to play corner. So I know what that's, that feels like. And so, right. man, maybe if I got a guy that's not that talented out there, I can give him some help. And so that's where you, right. you, you could. Disguise certain things, and you can maybe get Warren and bait Warren to say, "Okay, I, I know you're going to go there, but I'm going I'm to act like I'm going to the other side." And, and 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 so when you throw it up there like a duck, I'm going to go get it. Right? And so <laughs> those are things like that that you think about um, when you're playing the game, especially playing the free safety spot, and then going to the strong safety spot. All of a sudden, you get to be a really ABM. In that, right. in that position, <laughs> it's showtime that now. position, you, that's showtime because now you get to play a little, a little like a linebacker, and you get to play a little like a safety, and so all of a sudden you get the combination of being able to be around the line of scrimmage at the same time. You get a chance to roam the field, and so uh, both, both or all three positions are positions that I had a chance to play in. And really enjoyed all three of them, and all three of them had uh, different attributes. Is is the game less physical now than when you played? In your opinion? No, no. The game okay. is more physical. The game is really? more physical now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And the reason why it, 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 it's it's pretty simple. When I watch Patrick Willis, when I can see Patrick Willis play the game, and Navarre Bowman play the game, and Dante Whitner play the game, and just those three guys, and, and when they had the kid Goldston, those four guys, I would stand up every week. And the reason I would stand up, I'd have to get out of my seat because my popcorn was all over the place because when they hit somebody, <laughs> and, you sit, and, you know, and, you, and you sit there and you go, man. And, and so you realize that those guys – are at 230, 240, 250, you know, 260. So all of a sudden, you realize that you got some guys bringing some an enormous amount of energy and speed along with the, you know, along with that ABM attitude. Right. And yet, the game is much more physical than it was when I was playing because just the, the mass of what you're going against, the mass of the fact that these guys are stronger, faster. Yeah, so I think they're I, I think that they're more physical. 
Now, now, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm a sports fan. Um, there's a certain loyalty expected, you know, out of athletes to to certain yeah. teams. You know, I mean, we we look at the whole thing with LeBron James and you know the, the announcement that that was he was demonized in sports for a couple of right. years. How do you feel about that? Because I think a lot of times an athlete is asked to be loyal, but the teams aren't always loyal to the athlete. Yeah, no, and, and what's fascinating to me, because I'm a big sports fan, I love sports, and but I've, I've never felt like you're measured by the uniform. You're measured by what you do on, on, on the court. You're measured by what you do on the field. You're measured by what you do on the football field. So whatever uniform you put on, you better wear that uni knowing like you're the best. And and so you got to have that. Now the the bigger question is when you do go somewhere else, you know, how are you going to play? How are you going to show show who you are? And and that's why I admire uh LeBron for not only leaving but then saying, "Okay, it's on the onus is on me. I gotta be the MVP. I gotta do this. I gotta do that, and I gotta win because I got everything to lose. Because everybody said when he left and the way he left, he had everything to lose. And so he he has stepped up. He has done an incredible job. And 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 for a minute there, I thought San Antonio had him. Right? I mean, oh man, they, minute, I think I thought, they they gave it away. I thought they had them, and and yet, and yet that's 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 why these guys are who they are, and that's why Michael was Michael. That's why Derek Jeter is Derek Jeter. That's why Kobe's Kobe. That's why we see what we see all the time of great athletes being able to step up and do what they do, and 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 a lot of it is in that internal anger that says. I don't have any other choice but to do what I got to do to be the best. And I think that that quietness that you talk to yourself about, that you live with, that kind of resides inside you, you know, you wish that other people could hear that. You wish that people could 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 feel that and live it. And yet uh, they don't understand what that's like. And, and, and when I watched, you know, when I used to watch Tyson, I didn't – Watch Tyson when he knocked out somebody. I watched Tyson's toes because for for me, every time I would see him hit somebody and knock him out, you could see all the energy come up from not. You could see the energy come from his feet. Right. You know what I mean, I mean, he could dunk if he if he was going to dunk, he could dunk because that's how much energy he had when he was delivering the blow. And so you realize that man, some of this internal energy that these guys have in in their internal drive makes them champions and um that's what I see in a lot of those guys man and that's why that's why I love sports I mean I look for that kind of guy every week when I turn on the TV I can't wait to turn on the TV and, and see somebody do something that you go oh my god Woo! you know you just can't wait to see that moment those great plays that's why he is being is ESPN <laughs> exactly every night somebody somebody's making something happen every night somebody's doing something that's unbelievable whether it's in high school whether it's in Pop Warner whether it's in pros 
and ESPN will show you that. And we all—I don't care what moment it is—when you see somebody does, when they, you see somebody that does something extraordinary, you just—you <laughs> got to pay your homage, you got to pay your respects, you got to, you know, give them a shout out, you got to do whatever that is to show them that man, that's that's yeah, that that's that 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 was great. That was a hell of a play, and uh, that's what I love about sports. Man, we're talking to Ronnie Lott, NFL Hall of Famer. The event is uh, the the Genco Foundation. It's an intimate star-studded event to raise awareness and support for the special orthopedic medical mission to Africa. So um, uh, people can go to the website. That's www.genco.org. That's G-E-A-N-C-O.org. And it's the second annual Impact Africa fundraiser. Man, I love what you guys are doing. And y'all got a host of people going to come out there and just kick it. Yes, we are. We're going to kick it. And not only are we going to kick it, but as you know, man, look, we are all we're, we are all better for what we're doing. And, mm-hmm. and and I know that. And so hey, not only are we going to kick it, but we're all going to leave there knowing that we've done something for the right reason. So appreciate you uh, allowing me to be on and hanging with you for for this time. And uh, I'm sure our paths will cross each other at the Super Bowl because I know yes, you'll sir. be out there. I know you'll be out there on the corner, one on one with somebody. Let me tell you something. If you catch me on the corner, you grab me and drag me off, Ronnie Lott. <laughs> if they let me tell you something. If they so far down the bench, they pull up Rodney Perry. It's a bad day. Okay. <laughs> Hey, Rodney, I know you can get it done, though. That, at the end of the day, look, for one play, give, just give me all you can give me. <laughs> hey, hey, I'll be just like Rudy. Let me in, Coach. <laughs> coach, Rudy can have my jersey. Hey, I, I cannot I cannot thank you enough. The event goes down July 16th. Uh, it, the red carpet starts at 7 o'clock, and it's located at Bootsy Bellows. That's uh, 9229 West Sunset in Hollywood, California. Everything uh Great host of people, Ronnie Lott, uh, uh, my man Marcellus Wiley, who was doing great over there at ESPN, and, of course, Warren Moon and uh, Leron McClain. You guys have, have got together and are throwing this great event, and it's going to be incredible, man. I'm, I'm excited for y'all, man. Hey, no doubt. Take it easy. Hey, y'all, this is Rodney Perry. Okay. You're tuning in to Rodney Perry Live. It's been an incredible show today. We talked to Hall of Famers. Hey, oh, man, I missed it. Hold on, hold on Rich. Let me see if I can get rid Richard. Hello? Man, uh, Ronnie's like gone, Rich. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right, man. <laughs> what, what did you want to ask him, though? Well, well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. As a fan, I know you're a 49er fan. Um, what's your favorite Ronnie Lott memory? Man, just, I just love the way he hits you. He didn't care about, about if he break his neck, his legs. He's just going to hit you. Oh, you just knock you out, dude. He he once he once hurt his finger playing, and they clipped off the tip of his finger, and he played the rest of the game. Wow! <laughs> how how gangster is that? Yeah, that's gangster. <laughs> that's gangster. Right. Hey hey hey! You know what? This is angry as a tribute to Ronnie Lott and and Warren Moon. This is ABM Day. We officially 
uh, name of the day, Angry Black Man Day. I want you to hit my hit my Twitter page with the hashtag Angry Black Man. If you see a picture of a black man, send it to my 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 Instagram. I want to meet some angry black men. If you are angry black man, you listen to this show. Come on. If you know an angry black man, send it. If you know a white man that act like an angry black man, send his picture. I want to see these people. Send the, send the images. And, uh, or you can email them to me. Email them to uh, angryblackman at rodneyperry.com. ABM at rodneyperry.com. That's going to be crazy. All right, Rich. Hey, man, thank you so much for calling in. And uh, it's been a great show today. I think we covered a lot. Uh, Warren Moon talked about self-evaluation. Uh, he talked about uh, knowing that that you have what it takes to be in that situation and not settling. And he talked about winning. You know, we talked about winning with both Ronnie Lott and Warren Moon. Know this, when you win, you keep yourself above the bullshit. My name is Rodney Perry. That's our show for today. Y'all be good. We are out. Guess what time it is? It's time for Off the Chain to come back. That's right. Off the Chain is coming back. New comics, brand new show, brand new stage. Rodney Perry's in full effect. I got new clothes, baby. They done hooked me up. The show is going down. January 14th on Bounce TV. You don't want to miss it.